Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast brought to you by AMS Media. My God, it has been a while. It's been far too long since our last episode and I'm pleased to be joined once again by a fountain of Italian football knowledge, the one and only Vittorio Campanile. Welcome back to the show, mate. How have you been? It's been such a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time, but yeah, I mean, Serie A is quite interesting this year, I said, compared to last season. It's a much more interesting uh, competition, not only fighting for the Scudetto, but even the Champions League position. There's a big fight. Uh, I, I guess we're going to talk about all the big teams, Milan coming back. So, yeah, I think it's an exciting season. Absolutely. It's far more exciting than the Premier League anyway, which has seemingly <laughs> been won already uh, by Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. But there were some really, really big games this weekend and it felt like the perfect week to get back into the swing uh, of things and bringing you guys the podcast. Um, I'm going to start off uh, with the game between, uh, well, it was Sunday, wasn't it, that all the, the big games took place. So we're going to do it in chronological order. Uh, we're going to start with uh, Inter against Cagliari. That finished 1-1. It was a really, really disappointing result in the end uh, for Antonio Conte's side. They took the lead through Lautaro Martinez, but Rajanai Golan of all people, um, got Cagliari's goal uh, to, you know, really, really stunt their title challenge. And we're going to come on to talk about the other games afterwards, but there were some unsavoury scenes at the end, wasn't there, Vittoria? The Inter players and the manager and everybody involved in the club was evidently angry uh, with the match officials. And Did they really have a right to be, in your opinion, or was it just frustration? I think it was just frustration. And uh, Lautaro Martinez got two match of suspension, so he's going to miss the derby. Um, the thing is, if you think in January, Inter won just one match against Napoli and that match was thanks to the mistakes Napoli made in the two goals, uh, in two of the three goals Inter score. So 
uh, you can see that in January, Inter drew against Atalanta, and Atalanta played much better and deserved to win. Drew against Lecce away, that it's a match that Inter should have won, and drew against Cagliari at home, and Cagliari is coming from a terrible uh, form. Uh, they lost five matches in a row, so it wasn't expected to, to draw at home against Cagliari. And the problem is, Inter is not playing well. In January, Inter has been ter playing terribly. And uh, yeah, you can see that they were quite nervous, but you have to understand it, right? They were top of the league five weeks ago, playing great football, um, favorite maybe for the Scudetto, and now things are going the wrong way. And uh, the referee didn't as Andanovic said after the match, we didn't draw because of the referee. So it wasn't the fault of the referee. But when you are nervous, when you think, when you see things are not going your way, then you try to find an excuse and they blame the referee who didn't have nothing to do on that. So there is a big problem. Now we're going to see if with Ericsson things are going to change. Yeah, of course. And that is a massive signing for Inter. And it's funny because on a Sunday morning, I was having a debate with a friend who's a, a Tottenham supporter. And um, I was making the point that Inter is a step up from Tottenham. It's a far bigger club with a, a much uh, grander history, et cetera, et cetera. And as a kid growing up, you know, somebody like Christian Eriksen or, or most Europeans, I suppose, would look at Inter and say, yeah, that, that's where I'd want to be out of the two. And I actually said to him, it will be just my luck now that Inter will go and slip <laughs> up against Cagliari. And, and there, there you go. There it was. Of course, Nain Golan got the goal and he's somebody who didn't have the greatest time at Inter. Um, how's he been getting on for Cagliari uh, this season? Because it, it seems like to those who maybe are not as attached to Serie A that he's kind of disappeared a little bit off the radar. But in actual fact, he's had a pretty good season, hasn't he? Well, obviously, uh, moving from Inter to Cagliari, you fell out of the radars, right? You're not playing in a big team. But Cagliari had a terrific season so far. You know, uh, they lost the last five matches, but before, they were fighting for the Champions League. And can you imagine Cagliari fighting for the Champions League? That was an unbelievable achievement. Now they are fighting for the Europe League. That would be an incredible uh, result for, for Cagliari because, you know, what was it, 15 years ago last time they, they played in the Europe League? So it's incredible results. And in part, thanks to Rajan Angolan, who came back to Cagliari, he's playing a very positive season again. A little bit of ups and down, but that's the player. But he's playing very well, much better than Inter. I think my, my bigger question is, is it because Nangolan is made for playing these small teams, let's call it like that, with no offence to Cagliari, and he's not used to manage the pressure when you're working and you're living in a big town like Milan, in a big team like Inter, that they have to win. You know, it's... It's mandatory. It's not like Cagliari that a win or reaching the Europe League, it's a big success. So maybe that's a question mark, but definitely uh, Nangolan had is playing a great season. Absolutely. And then later on, of course, on Sunday, we had the Rome derby, the derby della capitale between Roma and your team, Lazio Vittorio. Um, Roma took the lead through Edin Dzeko. It was a, a really poor piece of goalkeeping, in my opinion, from uh, Strakosha, who I can see you've got his shirt in the background. Um, I, I thought it was really, really disappointing uh, to concede a goal in that fashion. But then there was an equally bit of disappointing goalkeeping at the other end, um, and that ultimately allowed Lazio back into the game. But let's be honest, and let's take, you know, if you take your Lazio hat off for a moment, I'm sure you can accept that Roma certainly had the better of the game, didn't they? 
are they dominated you have to be honest and say that roma played much better than lazio in the derby uh, I, honestly it's hard to believe that lazio got a point after that match because it was nearly a no contest and this is really surprising because lazio was coming from 11 a streak of 11 match one and roma started the year not very well. They they lost the first two matches at home. Yes, one was against Juventus, but the other one was against Torino that is struggling. They won against Genoa away, so they weren't really in a great form. Instead, they dominated the derby. Uh, Fonseca decided to take a big risk, a big gamble, pressing very high Lazio, but it was the right choice to make because Lazio struggling. Lazio wasn't able to play football. Uh, like they did all the other matches. Uh, Luis Alberto wasn't playing great football. He wasn't 100% fit. Correa the same. And uh, Roma dominated. The biggest question is, how can it be possible that Roma had so much ball possession, dominated that match, and at the end had five chances and scored only because Stragosha made a terrible mistake? Yeah. You know, that, that's a match that Roma should have won 3-1, 4-0. Instead, it was a 1-0 and... Yeah, it was positive to dominate against a good team like Lazio. But if you don't win this type of matches, then, you know, it's going to be difficult to win other type of matches. So, yeah, happy for Roma, but there are question marks there. Absolutely. Before we come on to talk about Lazio in a little bit more depth, um, because it is important that we talk about Lazio because they're having a good season. Uh, Simone Inzaghi probably doesn't get the credit he deserves, I would say, outside of Italy um, for the job that he's done there. And, you know, in the time that he's been uh, at the wheel, as they say here. But I mean, Roma under under Fonseca, what have you made of them this season? Um, I like the manager. I I really like uh, he took some gambles sometimes because he played very similar to how Roma played against Lazio when Roma played against Inter a couple of months ago and was probably one of the best performances of Roma this all season long. Um, the funny thing is, Roma is playing very well away. I think they won all the last matches away, but they struggle to win at home, which is, is strange for a big team like Roma. Um, so Fonseca has a little bit to adapt to Italian football, but it was a positive surprise. I think he's doing a, a decent job. Um, the problem, I think, is Roma has some overrated player like Clivert, like Pastore, like Cristante, players that cost so much money to the club and are not really world-class players. So, and, and to be honest, Roma had so many injuries this year that it's simply unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, at the beginning of the season, everybody was thinking that Roma would fight for the Champions League. The, 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 the top four teams would have been Juventus, Inter, Roma and Napoli. And now there's Lazio-Atalanta there instead of uh, fighting for this position. So Roma is seven points behind Lazio. The season is very long, but, you know, that's, that's a surprising result. To be honest, Abs absolutely, and and as you said, that would have been the expectation for Roma, wouldn't it? To to qualify for the Champions League, they're there or thereabouts. They're in the mix, uh, in fourth place currently. You mentioned Atalanta there as well, who had an incredible result this weekend. We're going to come on to that uh, as well. Napoli, we know all about their troubles this season. Of course, it led to Carlo Ancelotti leaving. Um, Gennaro Gattuso's in there now. We've spoken about him at length on previous episodes, um, but. 
you know, they did get a good result as well uh, this weekend, which we're, we're going to come on to. Let's park that for a moment because I want to talk to you about Simone Inzaghi. And I know this is your area of expertise as a Lazio man. If you don't already follow uh, Vittorio on social media, please do so. You'll find his tag uh, rolling across the bottom of your screen for those of you uh, that are watching us on YouTube. And for those of you listening to the audio, you'll find it in the description. He's got a, a channel as well. Um, Vittorio, let's talk about Simone Inzaghi because realistically, and I know people are only talking about Juve and Inter as potential Scudetto winners, but Lazio are in there with a chance. You know, they're only five points off of Juventus at the top. Uh, they, they're crashing the party at the moment. Is this sustainable? Do you think that come the end of the season, they'll still be within sort of touching distance of those top two? Or do you expect that gap to widen over the course of the season? I don't think that Lazio can keep that position, can be close to Inter Juventus at least. At the moment, you have to re remember that Lazio has a match on hand. They have to play against Verona next week, so they could close the gap with Inter. But as we were saying before, Inter bought Ericsson. Uh, they, they bought other players already this winter. They bought Lukaku last summer, Sanchez. Ashley Young's playing. come in as well. Ashley Young's come in. Yeah, Young is playing. He made the assist last, last Sunday. So Lazio said he's not buying nobody. Uh, there's question mark on some players. So I think Inzaghi is doing a, an incredible thing, an incredible job. Uh, Lazio has quality players. So the thing is, the, the starting level of Lazio is the same level of Juventus Inter, can beat any team. The problem is when one or two players are missing, then the substitution are not at the same level of Juventus, Inter, Roma as well, or Napoli. So, you know, the, the Serie A is a marathon. It's not... Um, so you have to think that you're going to have to uh, play matches without the top starting eleven. People get disqualified, get injured, etc. And this is the weaknesses of Lazio. This, not all the substitution are high level. So this tells you that Inzaghi have do, done an incredible job. The the team, it, it's it's like a family. They call them the family because they're all helping each other. And even though the team is not unbelievable, they're doing incredible results. Lazio beat Juventus twice this season, right? And before Sunday, it was the only team to beat Juventus this year. So this is an unbelievable achievement. Um, I think Lazio can arrive third at the end of the year, but I don't think that Lazio can really fight for the Scudetto. Do you think there'll come a time in, in the near future where one of the, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully to Lazio, but one of the bigger clubs um, in Italy or indeed elsewhere will come in and, and say, right, it's time to take Simone Inzaghi on board. He is someone that can go up to that next level. Well, there were a lot of rumours that this summer he could, move to Juventus or AC Milan. To be honest, and no offence to Milan fan, at the moment, Milan is a downgrade to Lazio and we see it even on in the table. But, you know, maybe this summer was too early. I think Inzaghi is learning. He's still a very young manager. This is the fourth season for that he's a professional manager. So I think he still can improve, but he's really good. He's really good. Now, the biggest question mark is... Is he going to be able to perform this well uh, away from Rome? Because let's not forget, he's 20 years that he's in Rome because he's he signed for Lazio as a player in 1999. 
he won the Scudetto for Lazio. He played there for 10 years. He retired and did all the all the academy of Lazio, you know, since the 12 years old team till the Primavera and then to the first squad. So he knows Rome very well. He knows Lazio fan very well. Very well. Um, the question mark is, is he going to be able to replicate his, his success? I don't know, in a town that he doesn't know, in a team that he's not, you know, very well known there. Yeah, absolutely. It, it certainly, you know, could play a part. It, it's a club that, like you said, he knows very well. It's the, the town and the, well, the city, I should say, and the people are, are very familiar to him. And of course, having that environment makes you, um, you know, naturally more comfortable. And I think that will have, of course, no doubt played a part. It's almost the perfect first job, wasn't it, for Simone Inzaghi um, in terms of a, a, a job that has quite a high profile, he couldn't have asked for a better place to start than the club that he knows with the people that he knows in the city that he knows. So that's really, really uh, helped yes, him. And, and, and you have to add that Lazio has four quality players that can really make you win every single match. Ciro Mobile, top scorer in Italy. Uh, he's astonishing. Uh, Tuku Correa, very good Argentinian attacker. Luis Alberto, top assist in Europe. And Miliko Savic that could become the best midfielder in Europe. So, you know, you, you play with a good team with these four players that can really start in every team in Europe. So, you know, this is a big advantage. The, the question mark would be, are they going to stay long time with La for Lazio or they're going to be sold next summer, etc.? Because if Lazio gets to the Champions League, then you have to buy quality players to replace them if they leave. Absolutely. And of course, like you said, Lazio do have a game in hand, an opportunity uh, to leapfrog uh, up past Inter into second place. And that would close the gap on Juventus to just two points. So although they may not sustain it, um, and that is up for debate, of course, it, it just feels like, you know, they deserve the credit because they are in the mix. Um, let's move on to Sunday's last game. And it was the, the late game between Napoli and Juventus, uh, a packed uh, San Paolo, and you know that the San Paolo is packed when the bottom tier has people in it. That's how you can always tell uh, whether it's a big game or not at the San Paolo. So there was people there. Um, the crowd is always hostile. There's a, a big rivalry, isn't there, between Napoli yeah. and Juventus. And it's not just football, it's political as well, uh, from what I understand. So that was uh, always going to add some spice to the game. Gattuso known for getting his teams up for games and, uh, you know, very hard working, etc., etc. And Napoli stuck at it, and eventually they got their reward, didn't they? Because they opened the scoring uh, through Zielinski. Um, they got a second through Lorenzo Insigne around about four minutes from time. Cristiano Ronaldo made it a little bit nervy going into stoppage time, but you know Juventus weren't really at the races, were they? And and Napoli took advantage of that. Yeah, uh, Juventus with Saris not playing as expected. Um, even in January, they are winning matches because they won before, but not playing great football. And against Napoli, I was thinking, because as you were saying, Inter Cagliari was lunchtime match. So when Juventus played Napoli, they knew that Inter uh, got the draw at home. And so beating Napoli would have been increased the gap and virtually closing the league because, you know, seven points ahead. It's tough to recover against Juventus. So I was expecting, you know, Juventus playing with the eye of the tiger, trying to close the match and get, get these three very, very important points. Instead, it was probably the worst match 
of Juventus in the last in this year, in January. Juventus never seemed um, controlling the match. They they looked like they didn't care, which was surprising. Um, we said Napoli was not playing great football with Gattuso. The last weeks Napoli improved a lot, but still they weren't playing great football, and still they were able to win. And Napoli really deserved to win because you were saying Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes, that was probably the only chance Juventus had in the full match. So it was really surprising to see Juventus playing so bad against a team like Napoli that has big potential but didn't show it up this season. So uh, it was for me a big surprise because usually, usually we we see Juventus when they have the chance, they, they take it. So they had the big chance to send a big message to Inter, you know, widening and go to seven points ahead. Instead, they didn't take it. So I think that the team is struggling to understand what Sari wants, how Sari wants to play football because they do it sometimes 10, 20 minutes a match and then they play rubbish all the rest. So, yeah, it's not a nice situation for Juventus. Absolutely. It was a missed opportunity. And whilst, you know, Antonio Conte and Simone Inzaghi would have been sitting there uh, over the moon, actually, that Napoli managed to take all three points off Juve, it did come as a surprise because there's been this sort of feeling with Juventus over the last few years where they've been dominating the division that, even in the games where they don't play particularly well, that they're going to get that one chance. They're going to get that their moment and they're going to take it more often than not. But this time it was Napoli who who got their moment and they took it and, and they took both opportunities. Question marks over whether Wojciech Szczesny should have done better with the initial shot. Yeah, He's parried it into the path of, of Zielinski, I suppose. But in fairness to him, the defenders were just completely unaware of of the uh, the Napoli attacker lurking there, and that's that's inexcusable for me. Um, Maurizio Sarri and Gonzalo Higuain, of course, both going back to the San Paolo, both former sons of Napoli, but you know they're always going to get that that hot reception, weren't they? Were you surprised by the level of um, not abuse? I don't want to use the word abuse, but the level of uh, aggression towards Maurizio Sarri in particular. No, I wouldn't. And uh, to be honest, Higuain had worse uh, uh, two years ago when he came back for the first time to Napoli. Uh, the, the, the surprise is every time Higuain plays against Napoli, he scores. So this was, I think, the first time he didn't. Um, Maurizio Sarri is, you know, uh, the, the, the leader of Napoli that suddenly switch and go to your enemy, Juventus. So I can understand the fan. It's funny that after the match, Maurizio Sarri said, you know, I'm not happy because we lost, but at least losing against Napoli makes things lighter for me because Napoli will always be my town, etc., etc. I know these guys, uh, I love the fans, etc. So it was funny to see his reaction after what the fans, Napoli fans, did to him during the match. Um, but isn't it different though, Vittorio? Because from, from Gonzalo Higuain's point, of course, he went directly, didn't he, from Napoli to Juventus. Maurizio Sarri went to Chelsea and then came back. Should that not have maybe softened the blow a little bit? Or is the rivalry, you know, you'll be able to tell us, is it that heated that it doesn't matter if you're Napoli once, you're Napoli forever, and to join Juventus is just unthinkable? Yeah, I mean, I think the... the you can say it's like Leeds United and Manchester United fan, right? Leeds United used to hate Manchester United. Manchester United fans are more focused on Liverpool and other clubs. 
this is a little bit between Napoli and Juventus, right? Juventus rivalry is against Inter most than Napoli, but Napoli fans hate Juventus. If you, you know, they're, they're still complaining about Omar Sivori that switched 30 years ago from, no, even more, to, from Napoli to Juventus. So they will never forget this thing, especially because Napoli has born, uh, Sarri was born in Napoli, have been the manager of Napoli. When he was in Napoli, he was complaining about Juventus and so the fans love him for what he said. And now seeing being the manager of Napoli, they are really upset. But the problem is, the real problem is the owner of Napoli because it's De Laurenti's fault if Higuain have left, if Cavani have left, if Sarri have left and they didn't win. It's the ma- the, the owner to blame for because, you know, he... He started a fight with with the Iguain first, then the year afterwards with Sarri. Uh, so people leave because you know they don't have to stay at Napoli. They can have other option, even better, you know. And so yeah, I, I wouldn't blame Sarri, but the fans, yeah, they 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 feel like they have been betrayed. Yeah, understandable given the rivalry between the two sides. So, of course, Juventus uh, missed out on the opportunity to extend their lead at the top, which means Inter and Lazio are still in with a shout. Of course, Roma remain in fourth. Now, another standout result uh, from this weekend and one that when I saw it uh, on my phone, because I didn't watch this game live, I've since seen the highlights, but when I saw this on my phone and I saw the score, Torino nil, Atalanta seven. I couldn't believe my eyes because Walter Mazzari is a manager that prides himself on being strong defensively, on keeping clean sheets. He would have been absolutely furious to see his side concede seven, wouldn't he? Yes, absolutely. But you have to say two things. Atalanta is playing amazing football. They they should have won even against Inter a couple of weeks ago. And second, I fear that, you know, football evolves continuously. Mazzari was, 10 years ago, a great manager, very defensive manager, but I think football have evolved. It's becoming more and more offensive football. And Mazzari didn't keep up with, with this evolution. And now even his defensive uh, ability are not enough. And this is why Atalanta destroyed Torino. I think this could be the end of Walter Mazzari. I don't know if he's going to be He's still on the bench of Torino. We're going to see what happens in the future. But I think this is going to be the his last big club because he has proved that football <laughs> passing by, right? He, he's too behind. He's too Absolutely. To, to be in this modern type of football. So you can see Torino struggling. Torino has a good team. You know, Sirigo is a very good goalkeeper. Belotti is a top striker. De, uh, De Silvestri is a good... De- they have a lot of good players, but they don't play absolutely good football. And they lose a lot of match, allowing a lot of goals. So, yeah, absolutely. I think Mazzari uh, won't finish the season at Torino. Absolutely. And and when you look at the league table, they, they've lost 10 of their 27 games uh, this season. They've won just eight, uh, drawn three, four, uh, 26 goals, but conceded 35. And just scrolling through that quickly. I don't think, I think only Sassuolo, Lecce, um, Brescia and Genoa have conceded more um, than Torino. And that is a, been a real problem for them. Currently in 10th place, which is uh, not ideal, like you said, for a club of that size, A and B for a club 
uh, with such a, a talented squad. It's, it's just not simply not on. Um, Vittorio, let's talk a little bit about uh, Inter, uh, sorry, AC Milan. Um, they, of course, uh, won at the weekend. They played the Friday night game. They picked up a 1-0 win at Brescia. Rebic with the goal. Um, for the fans that are listening to this from the UK, which is, of course, most of our listenership, Piontek is being linked with a move away, isn't he? And Tottenham are one of the clubs that are said to be interested in in him. But he hasn't really managed to replicate the form, has he, that he showed when he initially signed for the club. Is that down to uh, Piontek not being at the level that he was? Or is that down to the team? And is it unfair to therefore say that Piontek's level as an individual has dropped? That's a, that's a good question. I think somewhere in between. I mean, last year... Piontek was scoring every chance he had. Uh, you know, in Italy, you say he was scoring even while he was sleeping. Uh, <laughs> to tell you, you know, when 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 you are in luck, you you can score from everywhere, every occasion, etc. That's what happened last year. This year, things are back to normal, and you can see that Piontek, it's a decent striker. It's not a striker for a top team. Obviously, Milan is not playing great great football even though in the last four or five matches things have changed Pioli finally have was able to make Milan play a decent football uh, now with Ibrahimovic things are much better uh, I think one of the biggest reasons why Milan is start playing well is because Sousa is not playing anymore he was terrible and so since he has been benched Milan start winning I don't think that's a, a coincidence so to be honest, I was really surprised to see Piontek linked to Tottenham. Probably have, uh, as a sub, he can be uh, a, a good signing, but he wants to play because otherwise he's going to miss the Euros. So yeah. I don't know if it's really interesting to go in a team where he's not going to play. But yeah, we said it last year, right? We said that paying 35 million euros for a player who have proved only six months to be a, a good player because he played only six months at Genoa. Uh, it, it was a huge risk. Let's not forget that Milan last win, last January spent 70 million euros and signed Piontek and Paqueta. Both are not playing anymore. And yeah. now they're trying to place them somewhere. And this proves you like the transfer market of Milan has been terrible. And now they're trying to catch up. Obviously, now with Ibra, things are a little bit better. But, you know... Ibra is not getting younger. He's 38. Exactly. So, and, and Milan is not a team in a winning now mode. They're building up to maybe win in a couple of years. So, is Ibra the right play player? I don't know. They're, he's helping, obviously. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't like Contec, honestly. Yeah, I think that I think Tottenham have got a little bit of a problem because whoever they bring in has to accept that they're going to be second to Harry Kane. And as a striker, you know, you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to join a club knowing that you're not going to play much football. Um, just to finish off on, on Milan, of course, they're currently in seventh place, um, level on points with Palmer in sixth. But there's a massive seven point gap between those two and Atalanta, who are currently in fifth place. Now, uh, just to wrap it up, I'm going to run you through the rest of those results uh, from the weekend. Fiorentina nil, Genoa nil, uh, Palmer two, Udinese nil, Sampdoria nil, Sassuolo nil, Spal one, Bologna three, Verona three, Lecce nil. Um, 
that wraps up uh, our roundup of uh, this week's uh, action from Serie A. But we'll be back next week with more. And we promise you that we're going to be bringing you more regular shows. And I have to hold my hands up because it's been my fault um, that simply Serie A has sort of fallen off of a cliff in the last few months. So I do do apologise. It's purely been down to work being so busy. Um, but it is a league that we all love and it's a league that um, we always keep up to date with and we'll be bringing you more coverage of it this season. And uh, my thanks to Vittorio for joining me once again, as always providing a level of insight way beyond anything I could provide you with in regards to Italian football. So Vittorio, thank you. How can people check out your channel as well? Uh, it's my pleasure to join you every time. You know, I like to talk about Serie A. Well, my Twitter account, Vittorio Campa, you have the link below. So you can follow me there for every article or video I publish. Brilliant stuff. And please, please make sure you do that. We'll be back uh, very soon with some more. Um, next week, to be specific, we'll bring you another Serie A show. Uh, so until then, take care. Hope you've enjoyed your fix. And don't forget to subscribe and like. And uh, we'll be back next time. Ciao. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.